Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au. Well, we're, we're on this series called Glad You Asked, and uh, it's just different questions. And so here's a question, we'll read it and then we'll pray. This question says, I've been encouraged to call things that do not exist as though they did. This seems odd and in my opinion could result in foolishness. Is there any scriptural truth and application to this phrase? And so I think that's a good question and I, I do agree that you can get off into foolishness without a complete understanding. So we'll, we'll look into it today. You remember uh, be, uh, before Wyatt was here, uh, I don't know if it was <clears throat> three or four weeks ago, we talked about the different kinds of prayer and we talked about you can pray a kind you know there's a type of prayer to pray and receive there's a type of prayer that you can speak to your mountains there's a prayer of consecration or dedication and then uh, you can even put a shield of faith up when you pray you can put a shield of uh, faith up in prayer but then we can also uh, as this scripture says you know call things into existence uh, that do not exist the King James translation says, uh, said it this way, it says, calling those things that be not as though they were. So we're going to look into it today. Here's the scripture uh, that th- this is based on, Romans chapter 4 and verse number 17. It says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. So that is uh, what that question is based on that we're going to look at today. And uh, as I said, I agree that there can be misunderstandings and you can get off into foolishness if you don't completely understand that. So it's a good question. So here's three areas that, uh, that I thought I'd share with you where you can actually get off into foolishness and, so, and, and uh, without a right understanding. So here's the first one. We'll look at this side, and then we'll move over and look at the other side on what it is about and how to do it. So the the first thing that we have to make sure we don't do is we make sure we don't deny reality. And so what does that mean to deny reality? Well, there's a difference between calling things that are as though they are not. Calling something that is or calling things that are as though they are not versus calling into existence things that don't exist there's a difference between those two things okay and so uh the one thing calling something that is as if it is not that's denying reality and so a practical way to say it would be this if somebody has sickness or pain on or in their body to say I'm not sick that's denying reality and there's no power to deny reality there's no power in that now I know that there's what they call Christian science out there and an older man of God said this one time about Christian science he said it's neither Christian nor science (laughs) you know but in that particular belief system they would say I'm not sick so if they and they had results with something small like with a headache they would say 
this concerning a headache. They have a headache. They go, I don't have a headache. Well, or, or I'm not sick. They actually had results with something small like that where some of them, they, the headache actually left. But then they did it with cancer. And when it was done with cancer, there was absolutely no results. And of course, the person died. They just denied reality, okay? So uh, what's the right thing to do? Well, the right thing would, to do would be this. Um, you have sickness on your body or pain. You acknowledge the fact that I've been told I was sick, or you, you know, sometimes you don't have to be told you know it. I have pain. You acknowledge that, so that, that is what is. What then is not? Well, what is not is you're not healed. You're not well. So what you want to do is you want to call what you don't have into existence. So how do we do that? And do we have a scripture that we can say yes? And so we do. The Bible says uh, in 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes you're healed. So we don't have that, so we can call that into existence. That's the proper way to do it. It's not denying reality, and there's power in it because we base and stand on Scripture versus denying reality. So that's the first thing that we want to say that you can get. And so once we know, we, we don't have to get off that way. Another thing that we can do that would be uh, foolishness would be disregarding grace or gracing. And that doesn't sound right unless you have a scripture to explain it. So you can see that in Romans 12 and verse 6. It says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And so uh, what that scripture, uh, what we could say about that is if God doesn't grace us in a certain area, we cannot just call it into existence because it has to originate with him so the, but, but I want to say this about that now once a month I'll I'll serve in if Patsy's ministering or we even have a guest speaker I'll serve in children's ministry at the 830 service once a month uh, there wasn't any special light that came down from heaven any special super, supernatural word they had a need in children's ministry and I, I'm, we're all called to be servants, so I went, I said, I'll, I'd like to do that. And it's, the wonderful thing is being around the children. It was like today when Patsy and I walked in, one of the little kids said, pa hi, Pastor Tony. I thought, he knows me. <laughs> that really meant something. <laughs> I almost got a tear, you know, so th that was wonderful. That's one of the benefits of that. But so we're all called to serve, and we don't want to get so, you know, uh, dogmatic or so, I don't know what the word, I'm, I'm not getting the word I want, uh, whatever word, sorry about that. But so we're servants and we can all serve. But in this particular case, when I'm talking about this, I'm talking more about Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, where it says this, it says, he himself, notice it's him, the Lord, appointed some, so that's, you know, underlined with bold, to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers so these are what you call the ascension gifts and so notice that it originates with him he himself appointed and then some not everyone in other words these are specific so as an example you couldn't just say uh, call into existence i call myself a pastor i call myself an evangelist i call myself a prophet i call myself an apostle and just do that thinking that you can manipulate grace or manipulate god in other words it has to initiate with him 
okay, and then we, uh, from that point on, we can then cooperate with it. Does that make sense? So uh, as I was preparing, the Lord said this to me even, those, are, those gifts are, are not a vo vocation. In other words, when you're getting ready to get out of school and you get called to the guidance counselor's office and they, they interview you and they say, what do you want to do? And you say, well, I think I'd like to be an apostle. You know, you know what I mean? And, oh, that's a great vocation, you know. Wasn't I think Paul the apostle, he did that too, right? Yes. And, you know, that kind of a thing. So it's not a vocation, it's a calling. And it's actually a holy and reverent thing, okay? So the Lord gave me this statement that in a... And he said this, we don't create our grace, we discover it and then cooperate with it. Okay, so, so in those particular, especially with the ascension gifts, we don't create our grace by calling it into existence. We discover it and then we cooperate with it. So if the Lord said you're an apostle, then you want to mix faith with that because it's difficult enough being in the ministry. And if you talk negative and don't use faith with your calling, it makes it even more difficult so you can cooperate with the grace of God by using your faith all right then another another thing that we can do that would cause us to get into foolishness would be that uh, we could call things into existence without the promises of God like there's no promise that exists all right and so you remember I don't know a few weeks ago I talked about somebody that said there there this is in Texas you know and uh, they said, I'm going to call 50, 50 oil wells. I'm calling 50 oil wells onto my property. You know, like, well, you know, where's the scripture and where's the promise to do that? And that's foolishness, you know, because there's no promise or no scripture that says you can call 50 oil wells onto your property. You know, it's a great thing. You'd have a lot of money and all that, but, but there's really no scripture that promises that, okay? So we can say this. It's a great statement faith begins where the will of god is known so if there is if, if you don't know the will of god there isn't any faith and you're just wasting words and you'll frustrate yourself maybe even frustrate people around you when they hear you doing those things and they're thinking my wow, there's something wrong you know we need to pray for that person so faith begins where the will of god is known and without it we're powerless apart from it it's just empty words if the, if the will of god is not involved in it okay so Let's return back to the scripture now, and those are just three areas that we can get off and get into foolishness, but by knowing it and, and talking about it, no one has to go there. So Romans chapter 4 and verse 17, that says again, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, uh, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. So a proper understanding of this phrase, it can radically change things it can change financial situations around it can just turn a person's finances around when you understand how to do that it can change mental illness like you know uh, the brain is actually you know and I, and I, I don't specialize but we had dr carolyn leaf in here a while back and she really made it clear that you know the the flesh and blood of the brain we can talk to it by faith and and change it so no matter how your brain is, uh, the, f the flesh and blood makeup, you can actually use it, speak the word to it, and cause it to be different, okay? And then um, we can also, like social relationships and things like that, by, by um, speaking and saying things about relationships, 
they can actually turn around by using faith in that area. And then physical conditions. Physical conditions can be radically turned around. So I remember even with Patsy, I think I'm going to have her come up. In the early service, I, I told uh, her testimonies, and she then told me that I was, you know, like there's a few things that I weren't 100%. So the first one, it's okay. The, the first one, we'll make sure it's right this time. The first one is like she, she used to have a real a thing with antiphylactic. So tell us about what happened with that. Yeah, anaphylactic uh, reaction, which, you know, uh, if you don't know what that is and haven't had the ugly um, experience of ever having it, um, it's a severe allergic reaction where your throat closes up and you can't breathe and your body swells up perhaps. Sometimes it does that and then sometimes it can be real hivey and you break out itching and all that. So I started having that uh, when I was about 13 years old and they could never find out what what the deal was, and um, it was just that then they became uh, more severe each time that I would have them. And um, so finally, uh, it was when Tony and I started dating, uh, we were at a function at Rama, a fun function. I can't remember what it was, but uh, I, start, I broke out. You know, I had one of those reactions, and I was getting so I couldn't breathe, and I was getting... You know, it was just ugly and bad. So Tony took me to the emergency room, which I'd been there before to have to get a shot, you know. And um, it was embarrassing, you know, because I'm, re- I'm, you know, uh, yeah, I was really ugly. <laughs> well, it, it can actually cause your face to be different. And, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, the swelling. <laughs> and yet here we are. <laughs> So it was a good test for love. So, but anyway. Um, so, uh, but the doctor told me, at, you know, then at that time, he said, these are getting more severe, and um, you need to keep with you an EpiPen at all time to, to jab yourself um, so that you don't die, because these could actually prove to be, to be fatal if you don't deal with it. Well, he actually said... The next couple ones, like maybe two or three more, and she would die at that one. Yes. You know, so I, I, when we left the hospital, we went back to the function, and, and Brother Hagen Sr., the one that's gone home to be with the Lord, we immediately went to him, and I, and I was kind of emotional. You know, it's like I, I can't say that my initial reaction was a real strong faith one. That is about 30-something years ago, but I... <laughs> But I, I said, they told her she's going to die pretty like with a, you know, and, and he just like laughed at me. I told him that and he goes, <laughs> you know, I thought. So. So, yeah, so it, it, it was, um, yeah. One time I, I started having it and uh, it was real severe, real fast. And I was by myself. And I thought, you know, I believe what, like what we were singing. I believe who he says I am, and I'm healed. And yet my, you know, my body's all swollen up. I can't breathe. And so, um, I don't know, I just put my foot down, kind of like you, that word from the Lord today. And I thought, I'm going to call myself what God calls me, and, um, or else they'll find me here in this room, you know, that, and I'm going to put the word to work. And so I started calling my, my body what God calls it, 
well. And I started calling my, uh, my windpipe clear and my lungs open and the cells of my body resilient and resistant to allergens. I just started walking and declaring that. All the time, I could hardly breathe while I was saying that. So it didn't look like it was true, didn't feel like it was true, but because God said it, it is true. And because Jesus did that work for me, it is true. And so I just started calling what, what the Bible says, what God says I am, I started saying it. And it left. It left. And, uh, and um, a couple times since then, that was before, uh, maybe right after, no, it was before we got married still, um, which has been nearly 30 years ago. A couple times it's tried to come back. But I've used this verse of Scripture, calling things that be not. It, wasn't not. it wasn't in my body. Healing wasn't a feeling in my body. But I started calling it as though it already is. Because in God and in the Word of God, it already is. So uh, I just started doing that. And then, yeah, so it's great. Thank you. Amen. And then, and then <clears throat> praise the Lord. Also... Um, Another, another thing that uh, she had was vertigo, and that started when she was eight years old. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that one with vertigo. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know what brought it on except, uh, yeah, just real severe vertigo. And uh, a couple times in my life it, it laid me out, you know, where I, I, couldn't, I couldn't move. But um, that started when I was just a little girl. But... Almost every single day of my life, uh, I had vertigo. <clears throat> and I had a whole process that I had to go through to get up out of bed. And um, so it may not have always be an attack, but, you know, where it just laid me up. But every day I dealt with vertigo. And um, so Tony was preaching in Singapore, and it wasn't like I hadn't heard this verse of scripture, or even I, I had heard it a lot, and he maybe even taught on it, but I hadn't actually applied it to that. The, it was actually a station, station tubes was the problem they found out. So I applied Romans 4.17 uh, because he taught on it one day in healing school in Singapore. So this has only been like, what, 13 maybe years ago. And I thought, fiddlesticks on this. I've had it with this stupid vertigo. And so I, I just laid my hands on, my, on, my, on the sides of my face, and I said, I call my station tubes normal and clear. And I'm healed of this nasty vertigo. So I was calling things that be not as though they already were. It, it stopped. Now, a few times in since then, you know, maybe something would happen or whatever from water or whatever, being in the water where they'd try to, and I've used this verse of scripture. No, you station tubes, you're clear. And it comes right back into order. Yeah. Praise, thank you. So let's just read five verses now and look at all of this in context. So going back to Romans 4, 17, we're going to read that and then read uh, past it and then get more into this. So it says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations 
in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the bareness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. So if we just break this down a little bit more, look at verse number 17. Now here's the first thing that you notice in verse 17 if we break it down more. It says, I have made you the father of many nations. So we can say this, it was God's plan. In other words, in order to call something that is not as though it is, it first of all originates with God. So God began to say that about him before he ever had to do anything. It, God initiated it. And then notice the next thing that we see there. I mean, there's a lot there, and we only have so much time. But then it says, who gives life to the dead. So Abraham, as it says, he was about 100 years old, and then it talks about the deadness of Sarah's womb, the barrenness of her womb. So he was, as a 100-year-old close, he needed an infusion of life, and Sarah needed an infusion of life. So we can see, first of all, God's part. God, first of all, and we could say God had to give the promise. And then we could also say God, first of all, has to call it. God needs to do that first. And then secondly, what, what did God have to do? He had to infuse life. He had to give life to them, life to Abraham, and he had to give life to Sarah. So in the natural, people don't think about having children when they're that age. But many things in the natural we never would think about. There's a spiritual world and there's a natural world. And sometimes when things are the way they are in the natural, we can be without hope. But then because of the spiritual world and the promises of God where God is a spirit and his word is spirit. And so when something originates with God, it can bring hope into hopeless situations because of that. So we, with that said, notice how the next verse goes. The next verse then says this, in hope he believed against hope. So what does that mean? Well, in hope came because God called something. God decided and came up with a plan for like a hundred-year-old and an older woman to have a baby and be the father of many nations. God decided to do that. And so in hope, that's because it came from God but then against hope, that was because they were old and in the natural, it wasn't possible. So for all of us, there's just things without God and in the natural, they won't go well or they're impossible. But as soon as we find something that God says about it, it changes the whole thing. God decided. He initiated something and because he did, he breathed life, he gave life, he, he brought something that was dead into life. And, and so, so that's, it starts there, that's all I'll say for now. 
Uh, let's, let's go on and look at something else. Well, even before we do it, you know, I was thinking about Gideon too. Uh, in the Old Testament, Gideon was sitting up against a tree. He was discouraged. He was insecure. And he had fear. And in that condition, the Lord came to him and said, Oh, mighty man of valor. And so even uh, for many of us, when we don't really feel good about ourselves, we don't feel so qualified, we may be thinking one way about ourselves, but God sees us totally different. And so even if the Lord would come and talk to all of us right now, probably the areas that we do not see ourselves being up to where we should be, the Lord would tell us the exact opposite. So he told Gideon, mighty, he called him mighty man of valor. Well, you know, sometimes you have to be called something consistently, and it takes a little bit of time for you to believe it about yourself. And that's probably why God set the whole thing up. He said, for, forsake not the assembling of yourself together. Well, when we come together, the principal thing we want to do is hear God's word, because if we can keep hearing it, and we keep hearing who we are, what we have, and what we can do, it will change us where we can come in line and we believe who we are, we believe what we have, and believe what we can do. And it makes a difference. And so, um, in hope, he believed against hope. So anything that, like here's another example of that, uh, there's, a, you know, a, a diagnosis comes uh, where the doctor says, you have three months to live. That's not a good diagnosis. So God says something different. By his stripes, you are healed. The doctor says that, you know, based off of your body, not like the doctor only reports what they find. Okay, so based off of what the doctor finds, this is that report. So this is God's report. So in hope, by my stripes you're healed, that'll cause you to believe against hope you have three months to live. That, that's what happens when we hear from God and God initiates something. So, so you see with Abraham, it says in hope he believed against hope that he should become. So God's promises are so powerful and they can infuse life into something that we can become, we can do. Something we could not do without God. In other words, grace where God graces somebody and graces God's ability to do what we're not able to do without it. So we could say that you could do, you could become, etc. So in hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring. Notice he was told first, okay? So let, let's just now look at these next three verses and let's make some finishing thoughts here. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 19, it says, He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the bareness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. And then it says, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. So uh, if it isn't clear yet, I believe that you can call into existence things that are not based on the word. I believe, and the King James Version says, calling those things that be not as though they are, whatever translation you read, 
Uh, so with that in mind, here's a blueprint based off of those three scriptures. Here's a blueprint that we can take to be able to call into existence the things that are not. So here's the first thing we look, what we see when we look at those scriptures. Number one, allow God to call it first. Allow God to call it first. In other words, as we said already, we're not the ones that form or come up with the will. God does that. So anything that God calls first, then we have a right to call it ourselves. If God calls it, we can call it. If God doesn't call it, we have nothing to stand on. So we allow God to call it first. So in, if he calls it then, he can breathe life into it. So anything that God desires or tells us in his word, as soon as he says it, he's the one that can bring it to pass. So when God calls people to go around the world, to the other side of the world, to countries that have never heard the gospel, to preach in dangerous places, if God calls somebody to do that and he graces them, they'll end up going around the world and doing exactly what God said to do. If God calls you, he's able to get the finances for you to do it. Now, Patsy and I, we, in, in 1993, we moved over to Sicily and we moved away from our home country. We did not do the traditional thing that you do as a missionary because I guess we were just so busy. We were traveling ministers. We just traveled and uh, we raised money to just get over there but we really didn't think about monthly support to stay there. So we got over there in, around the end of August or something. We got a Bible school going in September. Just a few weeks later, we started a Bible school, and then we were going and we're real busy, and then December comes and we get a fax. That's so back in the days before emails, I guess, in 1993, but we got a fax. It says, you know, your ministry account is almost empty. It was from the office, you know, and I've told you this before. So here we are. We're only on the mission field so many months, and then we get a fax, like your ministry account's almost empty. Well, the first thought that goes through your head is like, you know, if we run out of money, we're going to go back. And so all of our friends and all the people that laid hands and prayed for us, and our, we're going to have to say, you know, I guess we didn't really hear from God because we ran out of money. You know, that was the way it looked. So what I did is I, of course, got the promises of God and fed on them, but I would just go outside and I would walk. And I would, just call, I would just call money. I would say, money, I call you into our ministry. I call finances into our ministry. Thank you, Father God, that you speak to people to give. You know, and I kept doing that. Every time I had time to do it, I would just walk outside. Well, uh, when January came around, we started to get reports back from our office. And they said, these pastors, these churches, uh, you know, the pastors signed the letters. We were getting these letters saying, we have chose to financially support you as missionaries. This happened in January in 1993. Well, to make a long story short, we never went back home. Of course, we're citizens here now, but God called us, he graced us, and he also supplied the money. And so even today, we still have finances coming in, even though we're citizens here, we wire, every month we wire money into the church from from, uh, because by legally speaking, you, if you receive any money, if, you're, if you do everything by law, and we do, anything that comes in for us as missionaries, we have to send to the mission field or we would be you know, legally in trouble. So every month we have money that we send to this church because we need to do that. So you could say it offsets our salaries, but it's been coming in now for over 25 years. 
And so God's, when God graces you, he takes care of, uh, he'll take care of the rest. Okay, so um, allow God to call it first. If he calls it, he can breathe life into it. And then don't consider present circumstances as the ultimate truth. Okay, and, uh, and so whatever the situation is, that's not the ultimate truth. So if a report comes in, uh, from the doctor, that's not the ultimate truth. Now, thank God for both streams, like the medical stream and the faith healing stream. And we don't ignore, we thank God for doctors and nurses and all the people that work in that field. It's a stream that I believe God gave that stream as much as he gave the word, and we can take advantage of both streams. You know, so, you know, even take your medication. You just don't have to throw medication away. But a report comes, and the report says this. They have medication for it. Do it. But then there's this other stream. And then you can every, even, I, I heard people say every time they took their medication, that was a reminder to speak God's word, to say what the Bible said. And so I've met people around the world that they were on medication, and they kept doing that. And then eventually the doctor said, they didn't do it. They didn't throw it away. The doctor said, you don't need your medication. And so when it comes from the doctor, you know that's really good. And so thank God, but, but that's not the ultimate truth, the circumstance, that's not the ultimate truth. God's word is the ultimate truth. And then uh, further thoughts on those scriptures uh, are this, feed on the needed promise. So there's so many promises. Uh, you know, one minister said years ago, if you really study the Bible, there is a promise for every single thing you face in life. So every single thing that we would ever face in life, there is a promise concerning that. So God has something to say about everything that we'll ever face in life. So whatever you think, whatever isn't right in your life, there's a promise that you can stand on to turn that around. So we feed on the needed promise. And then here's what the Lord said about that. Feeding eliminates wavering. So you know where it says there in the scripture about Abraham, that uh, when he, it says, um, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. The only way to get to a place like that is like sometimes God's promises are so great and big sometimes, it, we, we immediately can't get our head, or we can't grasp them immediately. They're just so wonderful. So the way that we can grasp them is we feed on the needed promise, and then by feeding on it, it will eliminate wavering. So even if you initially waver, like when Patsy got that report years ago uh, that, uh, that she could die, and I was a little bit emotional, that was my initial response. I, I do not re, I, I've never taken any guilt or condemnation for almost getting emotional and crying and telling Brother Hagen. They said she would almost die, because that, that's like initial responses are not the end. So sometimes we just have a, a, an initial response where we could be, we could react in fear. We could get emotional. Just don't, we, we don't need to stay there. So never, never, never beat yourself for having a wrong initial response. It's what you do after that that makes all the difference in the world. And so feeding eliminates wavering. So if you're wavering about anything, the way to get out of a place where you waver is the feed. And then once, and, and in doing that, then feeding leads to being fully convinced. So anything that we're not convinced about, the way to get convinced is we feed on the needed promise. By feeding, we'll, we, we'll end up not wavering, but then we also then we, we become fully convinced. 
And anything that you're convinced about, that's how you talk about yourself. That's how we talk about situations. We, whatever we're, we believe and we're convinced about is what we eventually say or we consistently say about something. So even recently, you know, uh, I, I, Patsy had to correct me, you know, so don't ever beat yourself. Sometimes it just slips out of your mouth. So, you know, when you have time, Google uh, the OCD song. There's like an OCD song out there. And so we discovered that uh, OCD song back when I was with my family because one of my brothers had, he was too OCD. And, and Patsy found that song, I think, or who's, who did? Yeah, okay, so, but it really helped his wife when she saw the song. It made it more into a comedy because she had to deal with my brother for being that. But I really liked that song and it made me laugh. So I slipped in front of Patsy and I said, I said, my OCD. You know, and I like to say, you know, if, if sickness and disease or pain, if you get a package and they ring your doorbell or knock on the door and you open it and it's a delivery guy, I've got a package and you sign for it, you take possession when you sign for it. So if there's sickness, disease, or anything going on, as soon as you say it's mine, it's like signing for it. This is what you believe you have, or that's what you believe you are. So I saw that OCD song, and I, I slipped in front of Patsy and said, my OCD. And so she said, is that really what you want to believe about yourself? You know, and maybe you don't know, no, maybe I should say OCD is like a obsessive compulsive disorder. And you know Monk, the, you know Monk, that TV show Monk, he was OCD. You know how he had to have all of his clothes hanging perfectly and everything, everything had to be in perfect order. That's like OCD. And so, um, so I slipped and said my OCD because it's, it's kind of ran in my family. We were with my brother Mike one time. He's a pastor and we, were, we slept at his house and we all ate standing up in the kitchen. We were standing up and we were eating. Patsy was eating a bowl of cereal. That's kind of weird eating a bowl of cereal standing up. I don't know why we did it. We just talked standing in the kitchen. She, she went to set the bowl down on the kitchen countertop. Before it was that, that far away from the surface, my brother Mike took it out of her hand. He rinsed it and put it in the dishwasher. Now that's like extreme OCD. He, he couldn't even have it sitting on the counter. If you go out to eat with my brother Mike, he's re rearranging, you know, the restaurant has all the stuff there. It's got, he starts, re he doesn't know he does it. He re we like to watch him. He rearranges everything. The salt shakers, he, everything has to be like in a certain order. And he's doing it. We're kind of watching him. He doesn't even know he does it. Um, I'm not that bad. Okay, but, but I listened to that song and I started to say my OCD. And then our daughter came to visit us at Christmas time. And then the next time I saw her after she spent like some time, she goes, you know, she calls me Poppy. She goes, Poppy, I, di I didn't realize you were so OCD till I came back at Christmas time, like she was married in a way. And then I heard that and I go, oh man, I said, I, I don't want people to feel uncomfortable because of that. So I can't ever say that. I don't want to be that and I don't want to do that. So, but I somehow was, if I say my OCD, I'll be fully convinced that's the way I am and I'll stay that way. And I, I and of course we all want to, have some order but not the kind of order that bugs people you know what i mean so that whatever you get fully convinced about yourself you'll say that about yourself and it'll get kind of concrete it'll get concreted in so you can turn anything around by believing something different and calling yourself that okay 
All right, well, I'm going to have the worship team come up, and we're going to, as we go today, we're going to sing that one song because it was actually calling ourselves exactly what God calls ourselves. So the last thing is they're coming up. Like feeding leads to being fully convinced. Here's the last thing. Our words line up with what we're convinced about. So our words will line up what we're convinced about. You've become convinced about something in your life, and that's what your words will say. Whatever you're convinced about, whatever you believe about yourself, whatever you believe about a situation, whatever you believe about any single thing, your words will line up with that, okay? Father, we thank you so much for your word today. Lord, we we just thank you, Lord, that all things are possible with you. Uh, We don't have to stay the way we are. Uh, We we can uh, be even be full of joy by changing our outlook by seeing what you say about us we can have joy in our life the kingdom of heaven is righteousness peace and joy uh, we don't have to stay even cr- uh, be a critical person uh, because your word father gives us the solution for every single thing every single thing that we would be that doesn't line up with your word can change So, Father, we thank you that we can call ourselves what you call us. We can call into existence things that you call first. So, Father, thank you for that. I thank you that it's a reality with everyone in this room today. Father, in the event that there's somebody with us today and Jesus isn't their Lord, they don't have that personal relationship with Jesus, they're not saved they're not assured of eternal life thank you for speaking to their heart today lord letting them know there is a heaven to gain and a hell to lose and heaven is much better father i thank you that you'd really make it clear to everyone that anyone that would be here today that is your word says if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart the lord jesus and that you raised him from the dead we would be saved Thank you for speaking that and making it a reality in anyone's heart that doesn't know you as Savior. That they know that they know that they need a Savior and that Savior is Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for making that clear. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.